This is Wheel Bearings. I'm Dan Roth from Forbes. I'm Sam Abu Al Samad from Navigant Research. And I'm Rebecca Linland from Rebecca Drives. Rebecca, I've seen some content from uh, some of our other friends. I think Nicole Wakeland posted her first thing on uh, Rebecca Drives. Yes, yes. So I had a couple of friends. Uh, Nicole Wakeland po- posted on um, the Kia Seltos. And then Abby Bassett posted on the Toyota Highlander. They were two trips that I did not go on. And I really wanted the content for Rebecca Drives. So I, I had them. It just I, it's not an all girls website, just to clarify, because Sam has posted as well. So um, it just so happened that two of my friends were available. Uh, but, yeah, they did a great job and it's been a lot of fun and I continue to enjoy writing in 200 words or less. Yeah. So if you want to read that stuff, go to RebeccaDrives.com, right? Like that's, yes. that's where it should be. Um, and they were posting because you were busy. Uh, I was busy with the. Can you talk about it? Yes. Okay, we'll get to that. <laughs> right. We'll get to that. But let's let's talk about other stuff uh, first, because Sam, I'm actually uh, correct me if I'm wrong. I think I'm wrong, actually. But you you were driving the 2020 There's a good chance of that. Yeah, <laughs> usually usually I am. Uh, my Twitter beating this morning certainly told me I was wrong. <laughs> so uh, you were driving the, never wrong, right? The 2020 you- Nissan Armada. Uh, okay, we, is that? That's like the old one, right? Like that's not a new thing. Yeah. No, I mean it's it's been around badged as an Armada for three years now. Um, You know, they they previously had the old generation uh, Armada, which was based off the first generation Titan pickup truck, Um, and then that got discontinued a couple, you know, yeah, twenty seventeen. They replaced it with this new Armada which is actually a rebadged version of the Nissan Patrol, which is what they sell it as globally. And apparently it's quite popular, especially in the Middle East and Africa. Um, and they, they brought it to the U.S. to replace the, the old Armada uh, rather than doing a new SUV off the new generation Titan platform. Uh, and in fact, there's also another version of this that's also sold here as the Nissan QX80 which uh, arrived in its current form a couple of years before the Armada did. So the Armada is, you know, the slightly more affordable alternative to the QX80. Right. Um, and the QX80 looks like, like, it's so funny that they've got like the QX80 looking the way it does because it looks like a giant whale, like Moby Dick. And then <laughs> the Armada is, you know, that's a, a name for a fleet of armed ships. And it's kind of like uh, Moby Dick won the day. So, yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, pretty much. So yeah, the, the Armada, you know, is a big three row full size body on frame SUV, uh, roughly the same size as a Chevy Tahoe or Ford Expedition, uh, or, you know, Nissan or a Toyota Sequoia. And, you know, those, those, there's basically four vehicles in this segment or four, four platforms in this segment in the U S market right now, you've got the GM utilities, the the Chevy Tahoe and, and the long wheelbase Suburban, the GMC Yukon and the Cadillac Escalade. And then from Ford, you have the Expedition and Navigator. Uh, Toyota still has the Sequoia. And then Nissan uh, has the Armada and the QX80. And surprisingly, the, the Armada has actually got a fair, a decent amount of market share. And back in December, when I went to the backgrounder for the new Tahoe, when they were showing us that at uh, the, the Milford Proving Grounds, 
they put up a, a pie chart showing the market shares for the big three-row body-on-frame SUV segment, and they actually had you know the Nissan at about or had Nissan at about nine percent of the the market, which surprised me that they had that much. But you know, I, I pulled up the the sales figures for 2019, and Nissan sold 32,000 Armadas last year in the U.S., which was quite a bit more than I anticipated. That's it's a lot good. more than they, it's a lot more than they sell Titans. The the na- the navigator the navigator sold uh just shy of nineteen thousand last year. Um the expedition, which would be the more direct competitor, this sold eighty six thousand. And the Sequoia uh was uh but just over ten thousand units last year. But GM really dominates this segment. They you know between the Chevy, the GMC and the Cadillacs, they sold two hundred and sixty three thousand in the U S alone last year. So, you know, they're, they're still the, the big guns in this, in this segment. We like our big trucks, huh? Oh, oh yeah. We, we certainly do, especially if they come from GM, the Armada is a big, heavy SUV. And, you know, because it's based on the patrol, you know, it benefits from a lot of features that the patrol has, you know, cause the patrol like the, you know, Toyota Land Cruisers and, you know, some of the other higher end, SUVs, big SUVs that are out there, they they really are designed with some pretty substantial off-road capabilities in there. You know, so this is not just a crossover. This thing's got all the kinds of things that you expect on something that can go run in the desert or anywhere where there isn't actually pavement. You know, so you've got things like a dual range transfer case. So you've got four wheel drive low capability, locking rear differential, different driving modes. So you can switch back and forth to it manipulates the things like the stability control uh, slip thresholds, uh, you know, so that you can put it into snow mode and get better traction in snow or, or loose dirt or sand, things like that. Uh, so it's it's actually a pretty capable SUV. And when I went on the, the drive a couple of years ago in California, when they launched, when they first launched this Armada here, we drove it out in Carmel and we drove it on an, on an actual off-road course. And, you know, it's it's got four-wheel independent suspension, uh, like, you know, like the other vehicles in this segment. And it was pretty, uh, you know, it was pretty capable. And you get, you know, it was one of those things like, like with a Jeep, you know, you get it up on two opposite wheels there and it just keeps right on going, you know, two wheels in the air, two wheels on, on mounds. And it just, it just keeps on going. That said, you know, it's not, I mean, it's okay on road. Um, You know, it's reasonably comfortable, but you know, when you compare it, especially to something like the new Tahoe Suburban and the, the Yukon and Expedition, Body control is not as smooth as as what you would expect from those. You know, it does drive pretty heavy. <laughs> it's you know, <laughs> you feel the all fifty five hundred pounds of this thing. You know, it's nearly three tons. And at the price point that this one at, this was a a platinum reserve. You know, so it had you know all the all the options in there. It came to over seventy one thousand dollars. Oh, that's and, that's right in the heart of the market. Wow. Yeah, you know, it's at seventy one grand. You know. It doesn't feel as luxury as you might expect it to at that price point, especially if you compare it to a Navigator, for example. Now, you know, a Lincoln Navigator, you know, or an Escalade is probably not going to have the kind of off-road capability that this has. But nobody's going to use it. <laughs> like, or, or that's very that's few. probably yeah. true, at least especially in North America. You know, there's going to be a lot fewer people that are going to use it here than they might in some other markets. Um, you know, and for those that, that really want off-road capability, you know, there's a lot of other options that are probably a little more expensive, but also, you know, more, you know, offer more, have a more luxury feel to them. My wife and I went out to dinner 
And she looked at the the wood, you know, there's real wood trim on the dashboard. And she said, you know, it looked like plastic and it kind of does, it doesn't look really premium. You know, the seats are kind of flat. They don't offer a whole lot of support. Um, you know, it's roomy, you know, it's a, it's a big truck, so it should be roomy. It's also really <laughs> thirsty. This thing averaged about 11 and a half miles. I mean, per from what I hear, that's about what like the Cadillac um, XT5 which, gets. <laughs> uh, I've never done, done that bad in an XT5. I, but Sam, you're right though. The patrol is, first of all, they're everywhere in the Middle East and we see it often. It It is quite capable in the sand, which of course is desirable. And it is that traditional truck base that is, you know, almost required uh, for driving in, in other parts of the world and, and, and it's done frequently. So I think it's a, you know, it's a great vehicle from that standpoint, even though it is pretty old, but it's still, it's uh, I think it's a, I think it's a fun, it's a fun vehicle to drive around in, in the sand. That's all I'm going to say. Not that I ever drove in Saudi Arabia. <laughs> right. That's, that's true. That, that uh. Never happened. Never happened. <laughs> um, but, but, and I think that's the thing, like, that's the thing to remember is that, uh, you know, 30,000 units here in the U S is kind of just like icing on the cake for them when they're, they're making their money with the patrol elsewhere. And it allows them to have something in, in that market space. Um, it's funny though, that, uh, the, I guess it's not, it, it makes some sense where, so where the Nissan ends, right? This is your platinum reserve. It sounds like some kind of whiskey, but uh, <laughs> your platinum reserve was 71. Uh, that crosses over the QX80 starts at like 66, 67. So. And, and that's, you know, that's fairly typical when you look at, you know, where there's, you know, a mainstream brand and a luxury brand, you know, within the same automaker, you know, like for Ford or Lincoln, you mean at the, you know, there's usually some over a bit of overlap there. You know, it's not a clean break, you know, because, you know, the reality is that most people aren't going to buy the the absolute base version of the premium one anyway. You know, so they yeah. usually end up spending more than that. So it, it's it's not it's not that surprising. There'd be some overlap because I think if you really want the nice interior, the, the QX80 has always impressed me. Yeah, at least the, the way they put it into press fleets, which is <laughs> so nice i just <laughs> love the cabin of that thing i have always loved the qx80 cabin and it, yeah. it is it's like you said it's it's very thirsty it's got that and it's another one with a big v8 that makes good noises and uh just doesn't make a lot of power but it's got adequate power you know, it's 400 horsepower yeah and that base you know the the um the armada starts at 47.1 so there is overlap at the top end but you're not really yeah, getting yeah. the same capabilities if you spend 70,000 or 65,000 on the Armada um, versus, you know, the same amount on the infinity version. Oh yeah. Yeah. I'm sure like the difference is um, you, you get the Armada with everything <laughs> versus yeah, exactly. the infinity with like some. Yeah. No, exactly. Moving on from very expensive Nissans to cheaper Nissans. You, uh, you Sam were in the Versa as well. Yeah, so uh, the the new Nissan Versa launched last summer, and, and Rebecca and I were both on the launch drive uh, down in uh, Louis Nashville? Nashville, 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 yes, Nash Vegas, yes. And it's much better uh, than the old Versa, right? Which was like, awful. oh yeah, yeah. This is this is actually a quite you know quite a nice car, you know, for for an entry level car. This is one of the cheapest cars you can get in you know as a new car in the U.S. right now. Um, aside from, I think the only one that's cheaper is the Mitsubishi Mirage. And you definitely want this more than you want the Mirage. Uh, no, no question about that. Um, in fact, 
uh, starting price, you know, including delivery for the ver- for the new Versa for the base S model with a five speed manual is fifteen six fifty with uh, delivery. Uh, the one I had was <clears throat> the SR, which was loaded, uh, came to just over twenty one grand, and that you know it had everything on there, and you know for twenty one thousand you're getting you know a decently sized compact sedan with um, you know, full suite of driver assist options uh, as features. So you've got um, lane keeping assist, uh, forward collision warning, radar based adaptive cruise control, uh, blind spot monitoring. You know, you've got everything on here, and you know it's it's a nice looking car. It drive. It's got decent driving dynamics. You know, it's not enormously powerful. It's, I think it's like about 130 horsepower from the 1.6 liter four cylinder cvt but the you know it's it's more than adequate for you know as a daily commuter uh you know it's certainly not going to run with a corvette or anything like that (laughs) but you know it's fine it's it's all most people need and you know in the the, you know when you look at the the way prices are going you know it's it's actually really hard to afford a new car you know and and i think you know rebecca you can uh confirm this yeah i think it's about the ratio of used car sales every year to new car sales is about three and a half to one, I think. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah. It's like two. Yeah. I can't remember that, but it's a huge yeah. used car is a huge number. Right. But you know, for somebody that's looking to maybe buy their first car, buy a ba- buy basic transportation, they want something new with a warranty. This is not, this is a really good cho- choice. You know, it's, it's roomy enough for, for four adults. It's got a decent sized trunk. Personally, I'd rather have a hatchback, but, you know, it, it is what it is. You know, it's the, the American market. Do you, do you think it's a mistake to not offer it in a hatchback? Uh, probably not. You know, I don't think the the note, the Versa Note, which was the hatchback version of the previous generation, I don't think that ever sold really well. Um, you know, person, you know, like I said, I my preference would be a hatchback, but I think uh, and, and at the Chicago Auto Show, uh, Honda was talking about at their press conference, they talked about the the Civic hatchback. They were surprised at how well it's selling. It's actually about 20% of Civic sales, you know, for the, at the Versa size class, you know, considering that customers are moving away from smaller cars, I think they probably decided that offering a hatchback version of this one probably wasn't worth it for the volumes that they would have. Yeah. But, and that Civic hatch is so cool looking. It's really badass. Like they've set it up where it's so sporty looking. Right. Uh, I totally agree. So I think, you know, the, the only real complaint um, that I have about this, about the Versa is I just wish Nissan would find a better supplier for their, their in vehicle screens for the displays on pretty much everything they build on the Nissan brand. They have, uh, what I would say are probably among the worst center screen displays of anybody in the industry. They're low contrast. They're dim. They have a lot of glare from the sun. They're hard to see even when you're not wearing sunglasses. And if you put on polarized sunglasses, they become almost invisible. They're they're just terrible screens. I've Please got not. an idea. Please. I've, I've, got an, I've got an idea. Keep yes. the screens out of the cars. Well, there's a concept. <laughs> uh, hey, uh, hey, unfortunately, hey, hey, none of that crazy talk. Uh, it's not uh, going to happen. Unfortunately, that's not a realistic proposition <laughs> no, these I days. Know. I know. So, you know, I mean, if I mean, look at Hyundai Kia, you know, they they have cars in the same price segment. You know, the, the Kia Rio, Hyundai Accent, 
and they have found a supplier of displays. They they have some of the best displays. You know, they're they're high contrast. There's no glare. They're they're matte screens. They look really good. Nissan. One, one of the things I will say about the the screens in Hyundai Kia cars is is um, I can't get them dim enough on a on a like regularly. I just expect that now when I'm in a Hyundai or a oh. Kia or a Genesis, I can't I can't get the screen dark enough at night for for me. And so you need like a blackout mode kind of thing. Yeah, um, and that that's not like. That's such a, a kind of like a picky detail, um, but it's not an, know, it's not an it's not an insignificant detail. Yeah, because it actually can bring up eye strain and and that glary at night that can that can get tiring after a while. Oh, absolutely, I and and I think that's you know that's why we're going to start to see you know, in the next few years a shift probably towards more OLED screens like what we have on the new Escalade, like that we yeah. talked about recently. Well, they're just very expensive at this point, so right, they are, but they're but they're coming down in price. Um, but, you know, at least among LCD screens, you know, the the ones that Hyundai and Kia use are so much better. They're, I mean, they're at least usable. You know, yeah. the, the Nissan screens are just terrible. Please, Nissan, fix that. <laughs> you know, the rest of the car, you know, is fine. I, I didn't have anything, any real complaints about it. You know, and keeping in mind, you know, that this is basic entry level transportation. You know, it's maybe it's not quite as sporty feeling as, you know, say a Honda Fit. Uh, but. You know, if 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 you want basic transportation, it's good. It's really good. And I think it's it's highly, you know, I, I would highly recommend this. You know, and you know, the the one I had, you know, was the SR, which is the top end model. You know, it starts at 18240. You know, the one it the, the the test car I had, you know, had a couple of option packages on there, the electronics package with the map pocket map pocket light and uh, illuminated kick plates, you know, stuff you don't really need. Uh, and the lighting package, you know, with exterior ground lighting, you know, 700 bucks for that. Skip those, just add the convenience package that gets you the heated front seats and the intelligent cruise control, and you're good. 18.5, 19.5 with delivery, you're, you're all set. You know, under 20 grand, you know, and you've got a really good car, got 35 miles per gallon, uh, you know, and it's, it's decently fun to drive. Well, a penalty box fun to drive because this is this is the penalty box class like no i mean you know you're not going to get you know all soft touch surfaces in there you know it's mostly hard plastics but it you know it looks fine you know they did a nice job on the texturing um you know there's no when you look around or you, you feel the, the edges there's no sharp flashing you know everything's nicely trimmed off um you know so it's definitely not a penalty box it's comfortable to drive you know it's adequate performance so no i would not i would not say it's a penalty box Okay. All right. I mean, and it's, what does it have the, you went over the powertrain, right? It's got the, the CVT is the transmission. The Nissan does a pretty yeah. good CVT. So yeah, no, it's, it's a, it's a good CVT, 1.6 liter, four cylinder, naturally aspirated. You know, it's, it's the same powertrain that's in the kicks. Um, yeah. You know, so it's, it's a decent powertrain, you know, it's, um, you know, to get the, keep the price down, you know, they, it's got things like a, a twist beam rear axle instead of an independent rear suspension, but, it still had, um, you know, good ride quality, you know, even on Michigan roads. So, yeah, nothing, nothing that I would complain about, especially, at, you know, in the context of what this is supposed to be. It's definitely, you know, if somebody's looking for a basic, a new car, you know, with a new car warranty, you know, and, you know, basic transportation, you know, if you don't want a crossover, you know, then I think that this is one, of, you know, this is a really good option. 
So your choices are basically like um, Versa or Kicks. They're kind of the same sort of hardware, right? Underneath and I, yeah, I mean, they're they're both on the same platform. So uh, you know, either one of them is is fine. You know, and if you want something a little taller, you know, basically if you want something taller that you know is more, you know, that has a tailgate, you know, is kind of hatchback like, go for the the Kicks. You know, if you want a sedan, go for the Versa. And the Versa is yeah. a little bit cheaper. Did you want to talk about the QX50? It's kind of anonymous, and I wish that that uh, really neat two-liter engine was uh, a little bit more refined. Um, this is this is not uh, not the crossover to drop fifty thousand dollars on. It's it's nice. It's not super duper expensive, but there's there's better choices in the class. I, I had some issues with the new um, Infinity In Touch. I don't really like it as much as. Uh, the, um, the, you know, like the Hyundai Kia systems just tend to just wind up being the benchmark. Um, it just, it's not, and I put it in eco mode and I was shocked at how like borderline dangerous it is. It's really, really <laughs> numb to the, uh, to the accelerator. So you got to like floor it <laughs> and oh. that kind of erases any point of putting it in eco. Um, yeah, overall I was not, uh, not blown away by it. And there's, there's materials issues in it that I don't think it, it, it was a lot more Nissan than infinity. Um, which, which surprised me, but you know, it's the right size. It's not priced poorly. It looks good. Uh, doesn't, doesn't really distinguish itself in any other way. Okay. Let's get your take on the Corvette. So I will be the first one to say, I have not spent a lot of time in previous versions of the Corvette. So I am not probably uh, the best person to compare one to the other. On this, by the same token, I do like the fact that my first real time in a Corvette was in the mid-engine um, because I feel like I'm starting out with really one of the best cars on the road today. And, you know, we often talk about price point on this show and this price point at $59,995 is insanely good. Like it's it's crazy what they have done for that price. So. I was in, in Las Vegas earlier this week. Uh, the way that they set up the program was the first afternoon we actually had it on road. Um, there's beautiful roads outside of Vegas, the Valley of Fire. Uh, we we drove through national parks and it's just gorgeous. And we were blessed with an incredibly gorgeous day as well. So this car, I was in the LT5, one with the, with the, the high speed, the... Um, track performance package in it. It's like Z51. Z51, thank you. But what I loved, what is so cool about it is there's this thing called the the Z mode uh, for for Zorro. And it basically allows you to pick and choose every aspect of your experience. So I tend to like a heavy, tight wheel, uh, but you you don't necessarily want that suspension on the road. So I was able to pick a track steering feel with a more touring road feel, but I wanted my brakes to be really crisp and fairly aggressive. So I did sport for my brakes and you can just pick. It's really, really cool. And it provides such a personalization uh, in this vehicle. I was driving with the delightful Henry Payne, who writes for the Detroit News, and he's actually a very accomplished race car driver. So it was fun because we were able to talk about how he would set up the car. And it was, there was a lot of similarities. We both liked that heavy, uh, the heavier steering feel, but just the ability to be able to pick and choose was, was really, really cool. I, I drove it for about an hour and a half and it was just nonstop comfort. 
The other thing that I do mention quite a bit and and go back and forth on whether I should is the height. You know, I'm short. And so trying to get comfortable in a lot of cars can be difficult. But the visibility, because there's no engine in the front anymore, the visibility is 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 fantastic out the front in the back at that base model or entry level, I prefer to call it because there's really nothing base about this vehicle um, at that $60,000 price mark. You are not getting the rear camera view on um, the mirror rear camera view, which is a $1,500 option. And I will tell people that that is an absolute necessity because out the back, it's very, very narrow. You know, the engine is back there. Now you've got really thick, I guess there's C pillars back there and mm -hmm. you know, and visibility is definitely compromised out the back, but out the front, it's fantastic. So, that, you know, that's yeah. fairly standard for a mid engine. It car. is, it is very much so. And, and I think we're also fortunate that we have that technology now with that camera view uh, to be able to help with that rear visibility. Uh, the, it was interesting to read some of the early impressions too, because the, um, the front visibility uh, was, you know, compared to, I guess, some of the other cars, it's not quite as good as like a McLaren <laughs> or an NSX. And I'm just like, uh, well, right. I don't know. I mean, I, I haven't fair. driven. I haven't driven a McLaren. I have spent time in the NSX. I found this car to be I mean, the, the A pillars are incredibly narrow. I don't know really? who who's having trouble with visibility because I felt like it was a wide open landscape. I think that it's less the um, the visibility overall, which is definitely an improvement. It's more of the the fact that like you can see the road closer to the the edge of the hood in in some of the others. Okay. Which, uh, yeah, I mean you, but you um, some of the seating positions, sort of where where the seat height is set, but also, yeah, I mean that's that's like a a variable of the car. Yeah, and I mean I I found it to be outstanding, and 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 it's and because. Yeah, the other cool, I mean, I, I don't know. I just, I felt the visibility was really, really good. The other thing that's neat is the steering wheel, which there's been some controversy about the steering wheel. Well, because it's square. Because it's square. But, <laughs> but, but you know, it, it allows for easy movement on the track because then the next day we had it on the track. And so, you know, again, it never got in the way. And there's plenty of room. There's a lot of travel back and forth in the steering wheel. So you can push it. You know, I like to push it all the way back into the dash. And again, some, you know, other people with, if you're taller, you need to pull it out more, but it's all electronic. So it's easy to make those minute adjustments. Uh, but the, the top of the steering wheel, when it's in, in the square position, you can actually, it perfectly frames the, uh, the dashboard and, 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 you know, the information center that's right in the middle, right in front of you. And it fits it perfectly. And which is those kinds of attention to detail is pretty cool. I think I, again, I had a very souped up version. It was $85,000, but we looked at the $60,000 one, they, which they had there as well. There was a 70,000 and a $75,000 one. So you can, and yeah. Even, even at 85, you know, that's half the price, exactly. half the starting price of an NSX. Exactly. Right. And I like that. That's, that's, that's always been sort of the Corvette thing is, is like, yes, but for the price, but I feel like there doesn't really need to be that sort of disclaimer no. as much anymore. Like it's, it's amazing what they have, uh, where they have priced it. Um, but it's not like you, you miss out 
on anything. It's it's comprehensively engineered. It's well-made. It's, uh, you know, maybe it's down a little bit on power uh, compared to some of the other cars that cost Hardly. quite a bit more. And it's but, almost 500 horsepower. I know. I, I, I know. My gosh. Which is, which is up. And, and the DCT, uh, bit, so, so the, the dual-clutch transmission, they base it off of Porsche's PDK, which is a really really good benchmark and because the pdk is now i i actually drove the original pdk when it first came out years ago on the 911 and it was okay but then we got to drive it again and it was that much better and you know now of course it's it's really i mean it is the benchmark and the 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 dual the dct that this corvette has it really is. It's faster than a human. It's faster than anything that you could shift. And, you know, Henry played around a little bit with the paddle shifters. I I just, you know, and, and the pro driver, when we did hot laps, he played around with it. But not that many people really did because you just don't need to. You're not going to be better than what they've set, how they've set it up. Uh, I'm curious, you know, about, you know, one of the other controversies with this thing, you know, was that whole center console and that crazy strip of buttons that you know that sweeps Absolutely. up from the center console <laughs> what did you think about that so um so this is what i wrote in my in my review is um it, it it's festooned with an array of control buttons that bifurcates the passengers in nearly puritanical fashion and unfortunately because i'm limited to 200 words i did have to take out the text about any hanky panky is going to be limited to only the most acrobatic of people <laughs> you've got to leave room for the holy spirit <laughs> exactly. but you know it wasn't as noticeable once you're in the cabin it definitely divides i mean it is it is a cockpit uh, for one for sure. The passenger is almost like a sidecar. Uh, but it, you kind of get used to it a little bit, I guess. It's, you know, the buttons are actually, so the, the top portion of the buttons are, are the driver controls, the HVAC, uh, the heated seats, things like that, some comfort ones. And then the bottom part is for the passenger. And that actually works out pretty well because it is it is at like arm's length. It's it's at it's at hand level for both the passenger and then the driver. If they've got their hands at at uh, nine and three, then it's at a nice level for them to play with the buttons. the The screen is the so the center dash screen is very much oriented towards the driver. And the only wrinkle we ran into that was with the radio. The radio button is real is at the top left hand corner, and that means that it's really only accessible to the driver. Henry is very tall, and he was able to reach over, but he, to turn it off or to adjust the volume. But it was a significant stretch, and like for me, I looked and I'm like, that thing's just too far away for me. Yeah, <laughs> Henry's about six four, six five. Says, yeah, yeah, exactly. So you know, it was it was not. I think if they had, and I actually told them, I made the suggestion, I would look at moving that button to even the right corner, upper corner, or or right lower corner. I think they would be better off. I mean, it's sort of like right now it's all the way up. in. if you think about the U S it's all the way up in Seattle and I'd rather 
see it down in Florida. <laughs> so, you know, I think it's just for from a positioning standpoint. But what they told me, and this really kind of surprised me, was that most Corvette drivers are drive by themselves, which I was kind of well, surprised. Yeah. About. I mean, have you spoken to most Corvette drivers? <laughs> I'm sorry. Be careful. You're getting into my dating pool right now. <laughs> I, well, I mean, like, in your diary, it's like drove Corvette insufferable for pages and pages. <laughs> but no, um, no I, I tr- think truthfully, though, I, I think. I think that's probably not uncommon for sports cars. Right. Know, I was going to say, I bet it's probably the same as Miata drivers in that sense where it's, it, it's a, it's a two seater. And so most, most people kind of drive only themselves other than family drivers. Right. I don't know. Yeah. yeah. I, no, that's true. I know. I was, I was a little surprised. So I, you know, but so that's, that's one of the reasons it, it's not, I'm not going to say that I love that center console because I don't, I think it's very, um, there's, you know, there's two kind of awkwardly placed cup holders and, and, but it's, it's not so much they're awkwardly placed. It's more that they're awkward to use. I, uh, there's very little cabin space. There is a slot for your phone, which is kind of cool because it, while it's behind you for safety reasons, it's in a good spot. I, uh, and it kind of, it's, it's, it's like a rubberized, uh, container I, I should have taken a picture of it i i'll try and find one online uh and that's where your phone goes which is kind of cool uh but you know and then there's a small center console like little cabin little storage bin um, but the, then again it, it is it is quite small so you know the storage in the cabin is pretty minimal there's um there's little I don't know if they still call them map bins because we don't have maps anymore. But <laughs> yes, you know, we do on each door. <laughs> door pockets. <laughs> what are they called? Door, door pockets. Door pockets. Door pockets yeah. Yes. Yeah. Door, the door pockets were, which again were pretty useless. They're 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 pretty shallow. Um, but you know, overall, I mean, there's a, the frunk is great. There's you could definitely fit some grocery bags in the in the front of the vehicle, and then in the back, they did show that they could fit two uh golf bags that were corvette designed golf bags so i don't know if you're gonna and, you know and of course being a corvette you know it's got to be able to hold a couple of golf bags exactly right. like, I, mean, I asked about <laughs> shoe boxes and got nothing uh, so. i i hate the metric just because i've golfed very little and i hurt um but the <laughs> the corvette like the immediately it came out and it took this just shellacking for sort of the shape and the um you know the squared off tail which i honestly I, i've seen it enough now i don't think it looks bad um there's definitely it's a modern design so there's a lot of angles a lot of strakes a lot of lines it, it's it's not quite as like uh sort of minimalist as some of the earlier corvette designs but it, it's in keeping with the times it's a modern design so i'll give i'll give that exactly. but also yeah what, yeah i mean i did there's it's hard to take a bad picture of yeah. this thing i gotta when, tell you yeah and uh, I've I've seen a number of these these C8s now, you know, and it's I'm fine with the exterior design. I think it's a good looking car yeah. on the outside. Well, and and like when you think about the 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 amount of practical considerations they took into account for this, like, and that's why I say like it's it's so comprehensively engineered for for sixty thousand dollars. You know, you can store the target top in the back, um, so it has you know built in storage for the the roof panel. Um, it can carry. <laughs> 
your your groceries so you could daily it it's it's uh tame enough that you can you can drive it around you know like you were talking about the drive modes you adjust it for comfort or you adjust it for you know a little bit more performance oriented driving uh it's got so much uh capability it's got a really wide range of talents um that's that's hard to do and that's so impressive and it can it can go to 60 miles an hour in like three less than three seconds it's so fast (laughs) <laughs> exactly. I mean, there's, it's so fast. And the thing is that, you know, when I've driven like a Ferrari 458, when I've driven an Aston Martin, the NSX, you know, those vehicles, I, I especially felt like this uh, in the Ferrari. It's amazing to drive, but would I want to take that every day? No, <laughs> you know, it's a lot, it's a lot to drive. I found this Corvette, like I was love to do a road trip in this thing. I would love it because you can adjust those things. So like I didn't, I really didn't enjoy the steering in the touring mode. It was just too loose. It just wasn't, it wasn't engaging enough for me personally. The great thing is that you can fix that. You can adjust that. So if somebody else drives it that does like that type of steering, they can change that. And so there was just, you know, again, it's just that personalization and the, the breadth and depth of capabilities and, and, and variety of uses, you know, the track. I mean, we had those same vehicles then on the track the next day and they were, it was fantastic. I mean, it definitely made me a better driver. I, you know, it just, it was, it was really comfortable. We did launch control, which was a lot of fun to do. and. It just, you know, it was one of those vehicles that you just want to keep driving it. I just want, I wanted to keep driving it. I wanted to keep experiencing it. Well, and so that's, that's something that, um, you know, you mentioned it in passing, right? But you had the same vehicles from the road drive on the track for the the second day. Yes. uh, You know, and you were just one of, you know, however many waves of of people. Right. Seven waves, about a hundred and I think they said there was going to be about 150 people. Yeah. Was that at uh, Las Vegas Motor Speedway? No, it was at Spring Mountain where they, Oh, that's right. Yeah. Yes. Where they also offer a two day driving class for all purchasers. So if you buy a Corvette, you get a two day oh, driving cool. class. And that's, that's a nice track. Uh, it uh, is, uh, it, you know, it was really nice. I am, you know, I've spent some time on tracks more than the average consumer, but less than a lot of other people in our industry. And I felt like I could adapt to that. You know, I, I was comfortable in it, but part of it, I was comfortable on the track, but part of it was, I was so comfortable in the vehicle. Like I, I felt, I felt very secure and confident in with that vehicle. Yeah, I'm just, you yeah, know, and I think one of the, one of the interesting things about Corvettes, especially the last couple of generations of them is they've, they've actually done a, a shockingly good job of, packaging and, and practicality, you know, for the kind of car that this is, you know, I mean, the, like, for, especially from the, the C6 onward, you know, you had, you know, a pretty good sized trunk under that rear hatch, you know, yeah. when you're still front engine. And, you know, there, there was a lot of space in there to put stuff in, in including that target top. And you right. still have that ability to put that target top in, in the trunk of this one and still have some storage room. You know, especially with the front. Yep, exactly. No, we we took the top off in the afternoon and we were able to store it again very easily. Now, I did not lift it. Henry did. Uh, so I don't know how heavy it is, which which was I should have done that. Um, but it was it was very easy to get off and it slid in and secured. But there was there was still space on either side. But 
you're right, Sam, because in the front, you can fit a, a, you know several pieces of luggage. And so there actually is a good amount of storage in a vehicle that, you know, of this size. And of course, the engine takes up most of the back as it should. And so they just, there was, there was Although a lot. It doesn't, it doesn't actually take up that much space because one of the advantages to continuing to use GM's classic Chevy small block architecture is it's actually, you know, for what is a fairly large displacement engine at 6.2 liters, it's actually a really compact package. It's shockingly small and lightweight. Yeah, but they did they did make the vehicle a little bit longer to accommodate that golf bag size, that golf yeah. bag metric. So it is a little bit longer, you know, but no, you're absolutely right. There, There's, I, I feel like people that are going after clickbait are going to really, they're going to be very picky and find things that are really, they would probably let go in any other vehicle because this but thing is really good. Right. There were a couple, 60 grand. It's, I'm it's sorry. 60 grand and, exactly. and 150 of us idiots beat the hell out of however many for <laughs> days and days and they didn't break. Like there was a couple of, there was a couple of, material choices particularly the switches like the and the the levers um on the steering wheel um and the and the stocks that were they were a, I was a little bit annoyed because they could they should have been upgraded they should be they should be at least aluminum and and I I told GM I said I think you should offer an appearance an interior appearance package because that's kind of where you see some of those a little bit of the cost uh you know, they're, they're just, they're constraining themselves, which is understandable. Um, but I mean, they, but so much of it is so good. Like that was really nitpicking, you know, like it's every, everything you, everything you end up touching in this vehicle feels really good. Even the $60,000 one, it doesn't have the leather dash. It doesn't have some of these other things, but it still has the top stitching. It still has really comfortable seats. It still does does really well they also do have three different kinds of seats that you can purchase as well so again you can customize this vehicle uh, just in a, in a fabulous fashion yeah they've learned all the all the good lessons from porsche <laughs> take you know, stuff out uh, and charge you to put you it back <laughs> you, you you have you have a price that you advertise and then you have you know all kinds of ways to personalize it that you know if you are injudicious with your use of the options list you can end up spending a hell of a sure, lot more. The, the than lovely 60 thing grand. about the Corvette is of that um, with the C8, right? You can spend sixty thousand dollars, which is like boxster money, and get something that's going to run yeah. with a nine eleven, very, very capably or faster or, or yeah. faster. Yeah, it's definitely going to. Yeah, yeah. yeah it, it will have to run with one of those hundred plus thousand dollar nine elevens. Not, not sort of. Well, the, I mean, the portion, the 911 starts at $94,000. Gosh, it's been a while since I looked at the yeah, price. Oh, yeah. Yeah, because somebody said, why not just buy a 911? I'm like, because it's $94,000. Yeah. They're also like, they're different things. At they're base. different things, and it's okay to have more than one choice. <laughs> like, yes, exactly. In there's, fact, it's good yeah. to have multiple and choices. Th there's room in the market for multiple vehicles like this. And, you know, even, even if you're just looking at, you know, mid-engine high-end mid-engine sports cars you know you look at what's out there in the market today you know you've got the nsx you've got you know the ferrari um it's a f8 now is, it, is that what's out now yeah the f8 you know or the the you know the four the you know the previous generations you've got 
Um, you know, you've got all the McLarens and the Lamborghinis and the Audi R8. And every one of these cars has a distinctly different character to it. And they're not all of them are going to appeal to everybody. You know, the, you know, an R8, you know, feel feels like something very different from a Corvette. You know, just the way that engine sounds and, you know, the way it, the way it rumbles, you know, is, is entirely different. And an NSX is something else entirely different. The NSX is a wonderful car. I love the NSX, but it has a totally different kind of character to it than what you're going to get from something like this. It does. And it also, the NSX doesn't have nearly the, um, the modern technology from an HMI standpoint. I mean, that the, you know, the infotainment system on this was really good. As an example, we were driving in the middle of nowhere. I had no cell phone signal and I was able to tap into the Wi-Fi, you know, the hotspot that GM has in all their products. And it worked. And, you know, it was it was a good example of why of where you're driving this fantastic, you know, awesome driving machine. And that also happens to have a hotspot. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and, you know, in in to Acura's credit, you know, they put all their, all their technology exactly into that hybrid powertrain that's in there. So. <laughs> yes, yeah, uh, a, for it's sure. Got, it's got a, it's got an infotainment system. That's exactly the same one that's in yeah. our Civic. It does. It does. And, and, you know, again, as you said, the, the NSX is fantastic and it's, but it's a different driving experience. It is. All right. Well, that sounds like a ringing endorsement. Well, it's good. Good to hear that it turned out well. And and I, I found a picture of uh, on the the media site of the phone mounted in there, and I dropped it in the, oh, in the cool. Dropbox. Uh, uh, you know, in this slot that is, as you said, you know, it's on the back wall between the two seats. So I imagine it's got to be really awkward to actually put your phone in there. You know, I guess it, unless you reach with your left arm across and it is. slide it in there. Well, and, yeah. and and that's that's I mean, when we think about the interior, um, it is very cozy, for sure. Especially, yeah. I, I can't well, all imagine. All mid-engine cars are. I'm sorry? I said all mid-engine cars are, you know, cozy yes. in that way. Yeah, this is definitely cozy. Um, the other thing is that when we did take the Targa top off, there's no place for a windscreen. So it was, while we were able to carry on a conversation, it wasn't quiet by any means. So is there is there a gap back there between the... There or, is. Isn't there, or is the, there's, there's, you still have the rear window on there, right? Right, you still have the rear window. And there is a bit of a gap. There really is no place to put any kind of a buffer, uh, you know, a buffering system. And, and, and speaking of Envy, they did a really nice job of, you know, the, the car you do have, you definitely have some road noise that comes in from the Michelin tires, but nothing intrusive. You can hear the engine, but you almost... Like I almost wanted to hear it a little bit more. They almost overcorrected um, because you are in a sports car and you, you know, I, I am a total exhaust note junkie. So I wouldn't have minded even a little bit more rumble uh, yeah, than I, the vehicle. It, does this not have a dual mode exhaust that they've had on previous vets? I don't it, know. It, it, I believe it there is an active exhaust, but um you know, the, I think most of what you hear in the cabin is actually intake noise um, yeah. because they it, it, there was an auto line. Uh, I think it was an auto line after hours with uh, Tage Juchter, who was the lead engineer on it. And, and, Tage uh, Juchter. OK, you're better. You're better at it than I am. <laughs> uh, 
the problem they had was they they have a very thick rear window and a very thick sort of rear bulkhead there because what they needed to get out of the cabin was all of the accessory drive noise that's off the front of the engine. Like you don't you don't want to hear the alternator and the water pump. You want to hear the the intake and the exhaust noise. And you're further from the exhaust now than you you had been. You know it all it all exits back uh, way behind you. Um, so they they stopped a lot of noise coming through the firewall and they allow you to hear some of the, because it breathes from the side vents there that are right outside the windows, you can still hear some of that. And I'm, I'm sure there, there's some coming over the, the audio system or something. Um, I'd be surprised if there wasn't, um, but uh, that's, that, that's the balance they have to make, right? Is there's noise regulations. They wanted to sell Absolutely. this thing in global markets. So they have to make sure that it's, it's quiet enough. Although uh, GM may be not, selling it in uh, right-hand drive markets, even though they engineered it to be right-hand drive or left-hand drive. And so that'll be interesting to see if they, if the Corvette is like the one exception because GM decided to not do any, (laughs) any more right-hand drive cars. No, uh, they are doing, they are doing right-hand drive. Well, I know that only, only the Corvette, Corvette. right. Right. For the the Corvette, right. For the Corvette. And I talked to them, I talked to them a little bit about that. Because it requires them to uh, basically, to, you know, to they had to there were some tr- there were some uh, parts of the interior that they were able to keep. But certainly that center console, uh, they did need to to have an, a new mold for that for a right hand drive. It's not an easy switch over, you know, because that because it is so cockpit centric and um, there, there were some there was some expense there that they had to do. Yeah, but I think it's that's also a really smart play because the Corvette is popular like around the world and uh to make it easier to acquire and to drive in, in those markets I think is it's just it's smart. So uh it was it was worth it. Um there's a lot of engineering that you just don't see in this car that yes. It's just so impressive. And I like I I'm really looking forward to the opportunity to just sort of poke in and around it. Um just again, it's it's the Corvette. The Corvette is always a fantastic bargain for what you get. It so is, well, I th- and I think that they, I think this, they did a good job of honoring the legacy of this vehicle and really setting it up for future success. I think they did a nice. It, it's it's really really good. All right. Well, we'll have to get one and see if our our opinions exactly yeah. soon. Some reports top ten. How many of these have we all had a chance to to drive? I, I feel like I've had a solid uh, solid time in, in most of them, uh, a good good number of them. Um, do you think that their recommendations are are on or or off? Like, there's stuff that I just expected to see here, which I did. Like, their number one compact is the Corolla. Like, okay, ho hum. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I would I would take the Civic over the Corolla. Um, that's, I mean, that's sort of like hard to, yeah, I'm sure that yeah. they would shrug and be like, okay. <laughs> yeah. Um, you know, I haven't driven either of the Subarus that they've got on the list here. Um, but, uh, you know, I, I think one that I would take, another one I would take issue with is their, you know, their choice of hybrid with the Prius. Um, you know, just, you know, I mean, the Prius is very efficient, you know, it drives much better than the old one, but yeah, it's just kind of it's hard to look at, <laughs> and, you know, for, you know, in the same same price range, I would probably take either the Kia Nero or the uh, the Hyundai Ionic. OK, should we um, should we just give them a, does it give away the store if we tell people what all of the picks are? 
I mean, they they, they put it out. Sure. As a I mean, you know, we're going to include the link in the show notes anyway. So, yeah. okay. uh, you know, starting off, you know, under $25,000, they picked the, the Corolla for a small car, um, which, you know, they said, I would probably go with the Civic the Corolla. The new Corolla is very good. It's way better than any past Corolla. So, yeah. You know, when I, you know, I like their reasons for it. You know how it comes with all the, the safety tech and stuff, stuff that's yeah. important to um to to buyers, you know, looking yeah. for value and safety, which is like those are two very important things that are way more important to regular consumers than um, how it handles or, you know, turns and stuff. So, no, absolutely. Um, and then, you know, moving on up to the small SUVs, they picked the Subaru Forester. I've not driven the new Forester yet uh, or latest generation Forester. Have, have you? You, you have, um, I think. I, if I have, it's been a while, um, or a little bit. I, the, the most recent Subaru I had was the legacy. Um, but Subarus are so consistent. Uh, I know what I would get if I stepped into the forest or I'm not sure I fully agree with that. Um, that pick, uh, it's not a bad choice, but I just I, I don't know. There's so much choice in that field. I I think you you hardly can go wrong. But I really really like the Rav Four, the the newest Rav Four. I think is just so well done. Um, it has everything the Forester offers, uh, in the Toyota way. <laughs> yeah. Know? So it's it's again it's like well, pick pick the color, pick the the styling you like. It, it's it's hard to go wrong here. Um, the the Forester really does I. I can see why it appeals to them. It's standard all wheel drive versus being an option on some of the others. Um, it does have good visibility. It's got all of those, those Subaru traits that we like. Um, but I, I think the RAV4 is, you know, it's more pleasing to actually drive. And um, I don't think it's any less of a value. Uh, it may actually be more. Um, so, and, and tech in both sucks. So, <laughs> yeah. I mean, you know, I, you know, in their, in the text, you know, they also mentioned, um, you know, the Honda CRV and, you know, I, I think I'd probably opt for the CRV. Um, but you know, again, I'm yeah. again, the, like, I quite like the CRV too. But, I mean, you know, they're, they're all, they're all very good choices. Yeah. Uh, okay. So hybrid, they picked the Prius. I already mentioned, you know, the Ionic or the Nero. What, what about you? Um, yeah, I, I don't mind the Prius, um, but I, I'd actually lean towards like get the Camry hybrid or the Corolla hybrid. Yeah. And like, I don't feel the need to, to jump into the, um, the Prius itself. It's just, it's a little funk box. I still don't like the way the, um, they may have changed it now, but the la one of the last Priuses I had that center console, the trim was all white. It looked like a bidet. Uh, yeah. I think that, <laughs> that's on the Prius prime. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. On the plug-in hybrid. Uh, so midsize sedan. Right, oh, the legacy. Um, yeah. yeah, I I like the legacy. If you like Subarus, you'll you'll like the legacy too. Uh, it's it's kind of squishy in that Subaru way. Um, visibility is good. It's it's a good legacy, but it's not a great midsize sedan, even with all wheel drive. And now the competition has started nipping at its heels. You can get the Camry with yeah. all wheel drive. You can get the Altima with all wheel drive. And I think. Um, I think the all-wheel drive Camry, despite of you know its its looks, which can be a bit much, I think the Subaru looks great. Um, but I, I think the Camry is probably the better choice. I, I would tend to agree with you there. Uh, okay, large sedan, Toyota Avalon. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, I mean, 
you know, again, the, the choices in this segment are shrinking. You know, a lot of what was there has, has gone away or, or is about to go away. Um, you know, and you know, I think of, of what's left, uh, you know, the, the Avalon is, is probably, you know, you've, I think, I think Hyundai discontinued the Azera in North America, right? Uh, uh if they haven't, they're close. Yeah, I mean, but okay. it's a, he had just launched a, a refresh of the cadenza. So there's the cadenza, but yeah, I mean, you know, the Avalon's uh, yeah. a, a, a great choice, you know, if this is what you're looking for. I think so. The cadenza may f- look a little sharper, may feel a little nicer inside. Uh, I think that was my impression of it the last time. I think the Avalon is actually the, the better car to own and drive. Um, it's weird, though, in large car or large sedan land, you've got a couple of different architectures to choose from, right? You could go with the the Avalon, which is basically a bigger Camry. So it's front wheel drive and it's, you know a pretty well-known quantity, but you could also go with something like a Chrysler 300, which beyond being oh, old, yeah. which is, is fine. It's an older car. It doesn't drive poorly, uh, but it's also a large sedan. So there's, there's still some choice and it really comes down to what you want and expect out of, out of your car. So that's a really kind of a, it's not a high, high volume segment, but that's a kind of a buyer specific segment. The Avalon's a great all arounder. Like it's, it's going it, to please just about everybody. So yeah. Um, and you know if if you want something you know in this in this size class you know with a little more uh, sporting flavor to it you know you could always get the charger uh, with a Hellcat engine in it. Yeah, <laughs> and, and there's a wide body Hellcat charger now, so you know that's always an option for you. Right. I would like to see an Avalon with 707 horsepower, though. <laughs> <laughs> that, that could be interesting. Yeah. You would definitely want the all-wheel drive with that, though. Yeah, absolutely. Yes, yeah. definitely. All right. Mid-size three-row utility. Kia Telluride. I mean, you know, I think obviously a toss-up here between this and the, uh, the Hyundai Palisade. Everybody loves the Telluride. Yeah. But, I mean, come on. The, the Telluride is, I think of the two, the Telluride's the better one of the between the Hyundai and the, and the Kia. Um, but, I mean, what what's the competition for, for mid-size three-row SUVs? Like, um. Let's see. Like, you've got you uh, know, the new, you got the Highlander, um, the Honda Pilot, uh, yeah. Ford Explorer. So um, this is the, this is the issue with this class, right? The, the new Highlander is really pricey. It's it starts yeah, at like thirty five. Yeah, I mean, and and so you know, same is true of the Explorer. You know, it starts in that same price range. You know, they're all the prices on all of these are you know keep climbing up every year as they add more stuff to them. Um, you know, and you know, the, the, the Kia and the Hyundai, you know, are as usual, great value propositions. You know, I think the, a maxed out Telluride, you know, doesn't get you above like forty six, forty seven thousand dollars. Yeah. I mean, and that's, that's really the winner and it feels like a million bucks inside. It looks so good. The mm-hmm. interior, you took the badges off this thing and parked it next to an XC90. Uh, it would look right at home. Oh yeah, absolutely. So all right, that, that compact pickup, Honda Ridgeline. Yes, absolutely, one hundred percent agree. I, I think for the vast majority of people, yes, this this is absolutely the best choice for them. You know, in terms of its cargo capacity, you know, its roominess, its driving dynamics, um, fuel efficiency. You know, I think it's a fantastic choice. If you need something that is more truck like, um, you know, you know with if, you know, especially if you need you know any kind of towing capability, any more significant towing capability, you know either the 
the GM or, or Fords, you know, I mean, the, the Tacoma, you know, is reliable, but not great to drive. Um, but you know, the, the Ranger or the Chevy Colorado GMC Canyon, you know, are other alternatives if you're in that segment. Yeah. Well, so remember the focus of consumer reports too, uh, cause you're going to, I think this is a mildly controversial pick, um, for some truck buyers who are looking for, um, trucky trucks. And uh-huh. that's not necessarily who reads consumer reports. Um, so I, I think that this is perfect for the people they're talking to. And for most people, like this yeah, would be I the mean, perfect if, truck for me. You need to haul home some, you know, 20 bags of topsoil for your garden or some, or, you know, 20 bags of mulch, you know, then this is a, a perfectly good truck, you know, and it's so good in so many ways. Yeah. And it's, uh, I, it's comfortable. It's roomy. Um, it's, it's a good truck. All right. Midsize SUV, Lexus RX. No, <laughs> no, I'm sorry. Yeah. No, I, no, the, where does that come from? I, I, I have no idea. There are so many good choices in this segment. Uh, you know, it, it, you know, from the, I think, you know, the Ford edge is really good. Um, you know, if you want something more premium, you know, they, uh, Lincoln MKX, um, you know, is, is also in there. Uh, you know, the Acura RDX, I think is a, is a great option here. Um, you know, there, there are so many choices here Yeah, and the, the RX, you know, is fine, but no, uh, no, the RX is so old. It's ungainly. Yeah. It's, uh, no, this yeah. is not, don't, I, I get from the, the consumer perspective, Lexus dealers will treat you really well. The, the vehicle is going to be reliable and, um, y- you know, it's not that expensive for, for what it is. It's just. It doesn't feel all that luxurious and it's a Lexus. So it's supposed to be luxurious. It's again, it's, um, it's, it's infotainment is not good and it sucks to drive. <laughs> that is true. It's, it's awful. Yeah. Um, this is, this is actually, this is one of the few Toyota products that hasn't moved to the TNGA, right? Um, uh, yeah. And, and, you know, this, this generation of RX has been around for a for while ages. now. It's, yeah. <laughs> it's probably going to get a replacement, you know, within the next 12 months. So I would I would probably stay away from this particular choice. Um, For for like practical consumer, like cars, dishwasher things, it'll be fine. But not I I can't I can't get behind it. (laughs) All right. Last one. Sports car. Toyota Supra. Um, You know, a sports car is a really personal choice. Uh, I feel like people who are way more subjective than any other segment, I think. I feel like people who are buying sports cars are really particular. Uh, so it's it's hard to pick one sports car that's going to satisfy every kind of sports car buyer. Um, I don't think the Super is a bad choice, though. I, I I I know it's controversial. A lot of folks don't like the way it looks. I think in I've you know I was astounded at how great it looked when I saw one for the first time in person. I, I like it a lot. Um, I think in terms of how it drives, you know, the, the BMW bones help it out. Um, so I, I don't, I don't think it's a, a terrible choice. I think that this one's going to spark more. Oh, yeah. But what about, you know, dot, dot, dot conversations yeah, I, than anything else? I think, yeah, I think the reality is that anybody is looking for a sports car is probably not going to be looking to this list to help them make their decision. <laughs> yeah, that's true. You know, de- depending on what you want, you know, there, are, there is such a, it's such a 
a broad range, you know, of cars that fall into the category of sports car, you know, from the Miata to the Corvette, you know, to, you know, an NSX, you know, and everything in between. So I, I think, I think that this was, this, this one just doesn't make this particular category doesn't make sense on this particular list. It's a really, I, I would say, and we can, we can ask, um, I know uh, Keith Barry. Uh, he's another New England writer. So, and he writes for Consumer Reports. So, I can ask him about sort of the difficulty of the choices here. This was probably the hardest category for them because it is again, it's it's a little outside of their normal uh, sort of. I, I guess sort of like who you generalize as the Consumer Reports reader or you know audience member, and. Uh, there's so much emotion wrapped up in sports cars. It's, it's that's a hard thing to pick. Um, it, the super is a fun, it's going to be a fun car. You're going to find stuff to like about it, but uh, it wouldn't be my first pick. Um, but quite honestly, I can't tell you what my first pick would be. Cause I'd have to like, this is one of those things where I'd need to like actually put them in sort of a list and just be like, well, what do I like about this one? What do I like about that one? Uh, and it depends on what you're using it for too. Um, mm-hmm. So the best thing is to get a lot of sports cars. <laughs> There for different reasons. That's right. <laughs> um, but, oh, you uh, know what? We we skipped the EV. They had the Tesla Model 3 as the EV. Oh, oh yeah, what do you you're th- right. What do, you, what do you think about that? But, I mean, you, you know, have more experience with Teslas or with, yeah, with Teslas and EVs than I do. Like, I I have been watching the, the Tesla Model 3. Like, it's got a, gotten a lot of, of accolades and, uh, you know, the owners love them. Um, but also the, you know, the, the, media those of us who look at this stuff critically also are very impressed by that car so yeah i mean it does a lot of things really well and you know again you know if you're if you're in the market you know for something in the 40 to fifty thousand dollar price range you know or 40 to sixty thousand dollar price range in an ev you know it's it's a really good choice um you know if you're you know again it, it depends a lot like sports cars you know i think you know, this is a this is a category now where you're picking it by powertrain, and there's going to be an increasing increasing number of choices over the next year or two um, that are radically different cars. And even what's available today among EVs are radically different. Um, you know, from you know the the Nissan Leaf, you know, up through you know Model X, uh, you know, and and all kinds of stuff in between. You know. Later this fall, we've got the, the Mustang Mach-E coming. You've got the Hyundai Kona EV that's already out there, the Chevy Bolt. So I think it depends a lot on what you want from a car, um, you know, for, or from from a vehicle. You know, you kind of you kind of have to, you know, make all the same kinds of decisions. You know, like which of these other categories? I mean, this could fit into any of the other categories uh, above. You know, what you know, cars versus. Uh, utilities and and wagons so we're you know we're going to see a lot of different options and there's there's already a lot of widely disparate options now just like with sports cars yeah yeah i mean i without having the opportunity to be in as many evs and stuff like i i have more faith in um this stuff from from uh audi and and other automakers um that's sort of not quite here yet um and i know range I mean, even, even too, the so. stuff that's that's here now I would probably be more inclined to buy, you know, a Kia Niro or a Chevy Bolt than I would to buy a Model 3. 
I've been looking for, at bolts on like car gurus and Carvana and stuff. Um, you can get a lot of car, a lot of, a lot of EV for your dollar there. Oh, yeah. Well under $20,000 for, for a used one. And, uh, and yeah. that's, you know, that's one of the challenges with EVs too, is the depreciation tends to be really high. Um, so you can actually get some screaming deals on used EVs. So if you, if you want to buy an EV, I would seriously look at a two to three year old, you know, bolt or a leaf or, you know, or, or even a Tesla rather than a brand new one. Yeah. Yeah. And, and everybody's concern is the battery life. And I just the battery life is simply not an issue. That's yeah, it's not. And in any of them, like yep. the, the battery is going to outlast other stuff. <laughs> All right. So with that, let's, let's wind it up. Um, yeah. and, uh, you know, thank everybody for the, uh, for the, the good reviews on Apple podcasts and, you know, keep them coming if you can, it helps us, uh, to get up onto their, you know, their top lists and, and hopefully help more people find the show and, and, uh, you know, let your friend, if you like the show, let your friends know about it and, you know, tell them to tell them to come and listen. Yeah. And, uh, Sam, you're going to, you're going to make appearances in other places. I think everybody should look for you. I know you're, you're going on tech guy, uh, shortly. And uh, like you, you are around, you are, you're the, the, the figurehead of, of, uh, <laughs> of real bearings. I'm somewhat prolific. <laughs> so, um, yeah, good. Uh, all roads lead back to us though. So that's, right. that's good. Um, so anyway, thanks for listening. We'll catch everybody next time. Bye. Thanks for listening to Wheel Bearings. Find us at wheelbearings.media and on Twitter as at wheelbearingscast. Remember, there's only one vowel. That's the A in cast. We're also at Car Review Tweets on Twitter. Or you could just email us. That's feedback at wheelbearings.media. 